Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a Wizarding World Virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is series four, episode eight, The Unrobgivable Curses. Oh God. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Today, we will be reviewing chapters 14 and 15 of book four, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. They're the unforgivable curses and Beaubaton and Durmstrang. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Imperio. She's done Imperio on us. I know. What do you want me to do? Jump on the desk? <laughs> Jump onto the desk. I love Harry gets all philosophical. But why though? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the iPod Virgin. If you needed further proof that I record the introduction fresh every time, my current sore throat and lost voice. Oh no. Uh, also the audible laugh that, that Miller's gave in response to the name of the episode, uh, which I think is a good name, the unrobgivable curses. It's good, isn't it? I've got a blister. Where? No, not a blister. What's the thing where you get a splinter? A splinter? You're having a laugh. What a start to the episode we've made here. Everyone okay? Any housekeeping? Um, I think housekeeping is mainly just like we've missed you. Yeah. Um, Both you, Phil, and um, the listeners, the Voldy baby, and also the listeners. Yeah, we have missed you. Um, Been a bit of a break life is busy you know and sometimes we just can't get these things out weekly but we'll always do our best oh i i've got something so just to just to pick up on this mugs oh yeah i'm going to post office tomorrow so i want to post all the mugs over i think they're all gone i think more than all of them are gone oh shit we need to order more (laughs) one housekeeping is that i think the prices of the mugs are now set in stone so millis you wanna do an advert are they set in stone phil yeah Okay, so it's one for 15, two for 22. Please note, there is no profit in that. And, <laughs> and that is only UK delivery. If you live overseas, you will be asked to pay more. Anyway, these chapters, we said this was going to be a short episode. So oh, yeah. I, not I, short, not short listeners, efficient. What efficient. about how much for three? Is it 22 plus 15? Right, if they want three, I'll just do, I'm just going to do an individual calculation. Okay, okay so... These chapters, shall we have a quick chat about them before we yes, bring them in? Yeah. What do we think? What do we think? Yeah, they're good. They're bloody brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, I, I do think they're bloody brilliant, actually. Um, the Unforgivable Curses and Bobaton Dermstrang. What do you think Rob will think? I think he'll enjoy them. I think, I think he'll, he'll love them. I think he'll um, have questions about um, the ethics of teaching in Hogwarts again, but. Um, Possibly. That's all part of the fun. Yeah, I think he'll have enjoyed them. Maybe he might have a little grumble about the second one being a little bit kind of filler. But, um, yeah, I think we might get some decent feedback on this. Uh, I, I loved them, and I think he would have really enjoyed them too. I'm going to be pissed off if he wasn't completely blown away by the carriage and the ship. Yes, I'm, I've, I've got it like noted here in my walkthrough to just, like, to just ask him what he thought about all that, not like talk too much about it and just see how he how he responds to it. I completely agree. 
because yeah that could really go either way he could either be like oh yeah i thought it was really nice a cool idea or whatever or he could be like have loads of like practical issues with it i mean that's that's really it should we bring him in let's do it yeah bring him in hello rob all right nerds how are we how's everyone going all good oh i'm all good i'm all All good. good yeah welcome rob um first things first Mm. The Harry Potter Virgin this week, and and by that I mean Rob, Hello. Uh, not not the podcast, received a package, mm. a mystery package. Do you have it with you, Rob? I am holding the mystery package in my hand. I hope it's not anthrax. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope that. I'm a particularly aggrieved uh, real fan. Listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to be opening that pack. I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Just to mm. be clear, um, could could be anything from anyone, but Rob will be opening that package before he leaves after we've done the, the chapters today. What is my postman thinking <laughs> when the package is literally addressed to the Harry Potter Virgin? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have to have words. Hopefully, hopefully, search for it and he's found us and he's <laughs> yeah, a real exactly. Fan. We've, be, got, we've got half of Royal Mail listening now. He'll be delivering Muggle Mail to you personally before you know it. <laughs> Literal postman <laughs> delivering literal muggle mail. Rob, let's just go straight in. Hot take, chapter 14, The Unforgivable Curses. Oh, yeah, it was all right. You messing? It's just like, I was just, felt like I was reading a kid's book again. I had another existential crisis. Oh, was it the torture? Was it the torture that made you think kids? Okay, let's get there. We'll get there in a moment. We'll get there in a moment. We'll get there in a moment. Chapter 15, Beaubaton and Durmstrang. I'll take Rob. This, this, again, I mean, it might be sort of um, coloured by the mood I'm in, which is incredibly hungover. But I just, again, I felt like it was one I, you know, any of us could have written. Okay. I'm not sure you should read it when you're hungover. Are you messing? <laughs> that severely limits the amount of time I can read. Was it? What's... Guys, last time out, we predicted that Rob would be really unhappy and he came back with an EE. Yeah, but last time, I, like, they weren't as good as it wasn't as interesting. He was like, oh, EE, brilliant. And now, two fucking amazing chapters. And he's all miserable about it. Are they amazing, though? I'm not sure. Just sort of kids having a chat. Yes, they are, yes. Yeah, yes, confirm they are. Yes, they are. Let's um I'm sure you're really looking forward to this, Rob. Mm. Um let's un- unpack and explore um the chapters and you know our thoughts, your thoughts. And Phil's gonna lead that the unforgivable yes. curses. Let's, Sorry, let's go. I, I've just remembered I do just have two quick things to say. One is Rob, I know you'll be happy that Rowling's brought out a new book. Oh, really? She's still still doing it. Just relax. I know, but relax. She's got loads of cash. She loves it. She loves it. You know what it's like when you're an author. It's your calling. You just keep going. So it's money for old rope, I guess. She can sling out anything now. Right. So it's a Christmas book. It's a kid's book. And it's got the best name in the world. I smell a bonus episode coming, guys. I smell a bonus episode coming. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's It's quite long. Okay. Guess what it's called. I know what it's called, but I'm going to let you reveal it. The Bungle... Bungle Christmas Flump. It's called <laughs> The Christmas Pig. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> Love it. What, is it going to be like a flying pig? Magical pig? 
I think um, I think Bungle Christmas Flump was the working title, though. <laughs> That's what it says underneath in like the description. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, what if it's just about? Could it just be about a regular pig? No magic involved. Who knows? Like literally. You know, it's not Harry Potter, Rob. Isn't it all magic though? No, she's no. got like books that don't have magic in them. Yeah, I don't know. If this was just about a pig that's like in the lead up to Christmas. God, imagine. I wouldn't want to be a pig in the lead up to Christmas. And a sort of... Most people don't eat pig at Christmas. It's probably when they, they get fed the most food they've ever had. It's probably brilliant. They're probably yep. stuffing it every day. No. <laughs> Pigs in blankets, isn't it? Pibs and stuffing. Me and Sky are going to read it in December. Is it? When's it out? It's out already. I've got oh, it. Okay. Oh, we don't need to plug her, do we? Really? <laughs> Rob, I think um, I think she's fine. I think I've just heard you use the the phrase or acronym PIB. Um, Pibs, I guess yeah. Pigs in blankets is that? Yeah, yeah. Pibs. Never heard that. No. Never heard that. Never heard that. That's I've always it. used people use the full hyphenated <laughs> pigs in blankets every single time. Or of course, peas in bees. Peas in bees. <laughs> also acceptable. I'm getting a bit worried now. <laughs> okay, so. Um... Yeah, walk through, walk through. Let's go for it. Okay. Short episode today. Oh yeah. How's Neville doing? Neville. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's shambles. He's a shambles. Yeah, can I have something to say about Neville? Oh yeah. Um, so, I hope it's well, complimentary. <laughs> I feel like this is. I feel like this is one of those episodes where I'm going to get bad feedback for my kind of, you know. No, I mean Rob. Rob has obviously not picked up on what tillering of the shit. Rob's obviously not picked up on what you wanted him to feel, which is that um, no. <clears throat> Neville breaks his sixth cauldron. Mm. And I was just thinking, like, presumably that's his sixth cauldron ever, not this yeah, yeah. year. Because, like, it's, what, week two or something? No, yeah, he's going at nearly he's going at nearly two a year at this rate. Okay, but we think that's six a year. So six altogether. I think so, yeah. 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 I think they're pretty sturdy. So, yeah, Neville's, like, not in a good place. Um, yeah. Snape's not being very nice to him. Um, why does Ron think this is? Um, uh, I'm getting a bit bored of Neville being shit at everything. Oh, do you know what? You are you are hungover. I can see it Like, I think... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's serious, yeah. We're not getting anywhere. Okay, let me, let me <laughs> just... just not getting anywhere. Let me give you a, a peep behind the curtain. I read the first chapter a week ago, a lot less fresh in my mind. I read. You didn't reread it. The second chapter. Rob, it's still a this, week. This afternoon. So Ron is thinks that Neville is. I mean, I would struggle with this question. Phil, what Ron, are you getting at? Ron thinks that Snape is angry or in a bad mood because he hasn't got the post again. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real kick in the teeth, to be fair. I don't think I'm going to ask you much today. <laughs> um, Honestly, so, the stress yeah. is, is unbelievable. Uh, a question could be coming at any second. <laughs> to be fair, Phil started the walkthrough of the chapter where we're supposed to talk about what happens in the chapter with how's Neville doing? <laughs> How is Neville? 
Um, okay, so yeah, they, they basically think that, um, as always, Snape's in a right mood, that he hasn't got the defence job, but he seems to be um, quite cautious of displaying that this year with Moody. So they seem to think that he doesn't want to make an enemy of Moody. As you know, they were super excited for their first defence against the Dark Arts class, which is happening on Thursday. And guess what? It's Thursday. So they arrive early, um, apart from Hermione, who runs in just in time. Mm. Uh, Moody enters, tells them to put their books away. So obviously they're buzzing. I bet you were buzzing. Were you? Was you buzzing? Yeah, I like that. No textbooks. No textbooks. Another practical lesson. Um and what Moody's kind of assessment of their defence against the dark arts education up until this point? Um, he says like they've covered quite a bit. They've, they've done they've done some you know good stuff, but we need to go a bit kind of off syllabus. We need to get some extreme stuff. Oh. Ad, the big man Ad has decreed that they need to try and um, defend themselves against some some big stuff. Absolutely. So what are they going to be covering today? The unforgivable curses, mate. Right. So I just want to say really quickly here, how much did you laugh at Moody and how nuts he is? No, I didn't laugh, but I like him. I like him as a character. I like the sort of grizzled old teacher who like doesn't really give a fuck. That's quite nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's great. So they're going to teach the curses. These are illegal curses that aren't really supposed to be taught until sixth year. Um, oh, and also, what do we find out about, Mu- uh, about Moody's magical eye? Um, he can see through the back of his head. And it can see through... Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it can see through... Lies. I don't know, what, what? It can see through, like, solid objects as well. Oh, okay, yeah, yes. So he, he's, I mean, ideal for a teacher, basically. He'd always know who's at the door, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, there'd be no surprise. He wouldn't like he'd know what's in that package. He'd know if it was Amber. <laughs> so Moody puts it out to the class. Um, and what's the first curse that is offered up by Ron, Ron, Ron Weasley? What curse does Ron mention? Isn't there a sort of crush crucius? One before crucious, that. Um the puppet one. Yeah, that's known as the Imperious Curse, which, of course, you know. We've seen we it. We know that it actually caused quite a lot of trouble for the Ministry in the times when he who must not be named was powerful. Why was that, Rob? And I imagine you, as a legal man, I bet you were thinking about all the implications of a curse like that. Mm, yeah, yeah, because you could start, you know, killing people as another person or, you know, messing stuff up. And the, the wrong people are getting done for it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And also people getting off by saying that they were imperious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all sorts of issues for... Yeah, it's a nightmare. I can see why they've cracked down on it, to be fair. So um, how does Moody demonstrate the curse? Oh, he's got, he's got some spiders. Good bit of animal yeah. abuse, you know. With insects, though, I don't know that they. I think it's okay with an insect, don't you? Like, no, got... I'll be honest, they're, right? Also, they're not insects. Good. They're arachnids. Good. Good fact checking. I've killed. I'm right. I'm going to be honest. Whoa, hang on. It's confession. <laughs> I've killed a spider before. 
But yeah. you were under the imperious curse. Of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure we've all killed animals. We can we can move on. What? Hang on, animals. Let's. What else have you killed? Well, you know, you you tread on snails, you kill ants by accident. I've killed you know? so many cockroaches, so many. What's the biggest animal you've ever killed? Uh, the giant the biggest, red centipede. Yeah. How big is that? Maybe nine to ten inches. Oh my god! I don't like to think about it because it's 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 repulsive. They are horrible. It felt like, like a murder as well. It took ages. Oh. God. Anyway, <sighs> Rob, what is the Imperious Curse? What happens to the spider? What explain the effect? Oh, it's like a sort of well, first off, he blows it up so everyone can see what's going on. And then he makes it dance around, does a little jig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned you did allude to the fact that we'd seen it before. When were you referring to? Yeah, when the old um sort of woman got turned upside down and we saw her bloomers. At the um, the uh, World Cup. No, they weren't imperious. They weren't no, no. imperious. I understand maybe. Well, I know I don't really understand why you thought that. They were tossed up and down like puppets. Yeah, but, Rob. They were like puppets, but above them. <laughs> yeah, but Rob, this isn't a puppet this is curse. Not, yeah. Like I, I, I thought I knew what you meant when you said puppet curse. Now, no, now I'm thinking. Know. You think it makes people hang up like a puppet? Like, it <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's it why doesn't. I'm asking you to explain the effect. So the spider does a jig. What what does Moody say about the curse, though? It can be used to sort of make someone impersonate or do stuff. They are basically under the control of someone else. Yeah, you have total control over that person much, and their actions. Much like a puppet. That's what I meant. Yes, yeah. But the people at the World Cup weren't. They, were. well, they weren't under the imperial. They were just being levitated. Well, where have we seen it before then? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you have. I don't think we have. Did I say that? Yes. I was thinking the World Cup, but do you know how we know that they weren't imperious and they were just forcibly having to do it because they weren't comfortable with it? Well, also you can say mm. the imperious curse is like. You're in the person's head telling them what to do, but Jump you can't. You, but you can't tell a person. You can't tell a person levitate into the air and hang upside down, and the person do it because yeah, it's not possible. Turn upside down and show everyone your bloomers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they're muggles, so they can't do that. So magic. that is obviously a different kind of spell, uh, yeah. where you literally take physical control of their body rather than control of their thought process. But she does say they were like puppets. Yeah, she does say that. She does say that. Confusingly above rather than below. Anyway, let's move on. Please, let's move on. This is... Okay, yeah, so he makes spider tap dance, but then he points out that he could also make the spider jump out of the window, do like do whatever, mm. do whatever mm. itself, um, he blah, wants blah, blah. it to do, basically. Yeah. Okay, so let's move... And do you also remember that when Moody spoke to Ron and addressed Ron that he knew who he was he he mentioned his dad didn't he yeah yeah he did knows him from ministry days and yeah but what did he say specifically about arthur weasley recently he has helped him out absolutely yeah perfect literally perfect absolutely perfect um so the next curse now who puts their hand up to answer this word it's a bit of a curveball it's nev Okay, and what curse does Neville mention? 
this is the this is the crucify torture torture kind of vibe yeah so basically it's a torture curse isn't it and you can see that the spider is like what do they say if if he could scream he would have been screaming horrific horrific imagery um how does hermione react to this curse and what's going on in the classroom she wants it to stop understandably like we all do because yeah who's she looking at yeah neville's neville's um really really uncomfortable with the whole thing understandably yeah absolutely yeah you you think he's just he's got a bit of a sensitive disposition well you know none of us want to see something tortured even if it is a little spider do you think maybe neville's really fond of spiders Mm, i don't know no reason to think so interesting and interesting that he knew about that curse because he doesn't normally know about anything does he i mean it could be anything from now on he i mean judging on the other books he could literally be a spider for all we know yeah always he's he's been he's been tortured in the past which would be a lot darker christ would you expect something like that from a kid's birth well i mean again anything could happen maybe it's both yeah right next next curse (laughs) okay finally hermione answers this one tell us about the last curse a kill curse Really much to that one, apart from a ridiculous right, name. Okay, um, Kingy, could you? I've had a cadaver. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> one for the nerds there. Nerds have enjoyed that. And um, but what do we learn? It's a bit more interesting. This one. It's not like stabbing someone. What What is it about this curse that makes it very difficult to detect? Um, no idea. Green. It leaves no mark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's one exception. Harold. Harold and the, the scar. Absolutely, yeah, Harold. Well, he's the one person to survive it, and it left a mark on him, which is interesting. Um, So, obviously, you can imagine if you were Harry at this point, you'd feel a bit under the microscope. I mean, I'd probably give him a heads up before the lesson. Harry, look, just to be clear, mate, we're going to be covering the curse that killed your parents and you nearly died in. Uh, It's going to come up halfway through the lesson. Just be be steeled for it. Do you think at the end there's just some small friend that says, if you've been affected by this class? You can call this number. Yeah. Yeah. Just give him a warning. What you were saying, though, about like it being difficult to detect and that kind of thing, I kind of see it as the total flip flip of that. It's like if you find, if a wizard finds someone dead, and there's no visible mark mm. of how they died, you know how they died? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. I do. But there's no t- way of tracing it to someone. Unless you can get their wand. And, well, the, the, unless you can get the perpetrator's wand. Yes. Yeah. And, and also, in terms of, like, um, attacks on muggles, it obviously would completely baffle That's any muggle, like, As we saw at the beginning of the book. Enforcement. But yeah, but also, King, don't forget, like, people can die and they don't know what the That's reason is. Yes, good point. Could be, uh, could be carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Nice yeah, it could. Good point. Okay. What happens if you commit one of them against another human being? Oh, yeah, they're illegal. So Azkaban. Absolutely. Straight into Azkaban. Okay, so they all leave the class. And what happens next in the corridor, Rob? 
Oh, they're all like, they're all chatting about what they've just seen, you know. Really enjoyed the lesson. How's Neville? Apart from Neville, who's really shitted up because he used to be a spider and was tortured. Yeah. So does, do you think that maybe Moody, Moody seems to be coming to check on Harry? Maybe that is like the, if you've been affected by the issues, maybe that's what Moody's doing there. <laughs> yeah, better late than never. Yeah, definitely. Does he give any attention to anybody else at this point? He does. He seems to be, you know, recognising that Neville's been a bit, been a bit affected. So he's given him some love as well. Like he's taken him back to his room or something, giving him a biscuit. Yeah. Squashing biscuits. What do you think about like Moody and Dumbledore's like approach to teaching? They brought this forward. They've shown them the unforgivable curses. I Like that kind of struck me as something that maybe you wouldn't like very much. No, I'm all for a bit, you know, go off syllabus, either practical or interesting. Yeah, go rogue. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, they need to, they need to know this. Trust in, trust in Albus. Absolutely. Always. So um, I'm just going to like skip through the last bit of the chapter. So basically they go back to the dormitories, they get their divination homework. And um, what, what becomes their kind of strategy with divination this time around? They've got to predict, do their predictions for, I think the next month or so. Yeah, they're just making up stuff that they're going to, um, you know, because they can't actually predict it. They're just making up stuff that that's, you know, bad luck for themselves, basically. Yeah, because Trelawney loves some bad, bad luck, love doesn't it. she? And, um, love it. and they see Neville in the dormitory when they're picking up their divination stuff. And what does Neville tell them about his time with Moody? Can't remember. Well, Moody has given him a book and told him something that Professor Sprout said about him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's given him a bit of a sort of arm around the shoulder, pepped him up. Yeah. Because he has been told by another teacher that he's actually quite good at one of the subjects. Which subject was that? Abology. Lovely. And what was the name of the book? Uh, herbology book. Um, it's a herbology book, is it? It's no? Magical Mediterranean Plants and Their Properties. Mm, wouldn't have yeah. got that in, in years. So Hermione eventually comes in, has a look at their homework, but Hermione's super excited. What is she been up to? Yeah, she's been researching. Well, she's she's created a new sort of movement, basically, called Spew. What do you think of it? Yeah, the name's not good, is it? I mean, uh, well, it's not though? Spew. It's S P E W. What does that stand for? Yeah, yeah. Um, Society for the Protection of Elf, Elf, Ish. Welfare, Elvish Welfare. Wonderful, yeah. Like it's snappy enough, isn't it? I think it's great. Rob, would you join Spew? I would, yeah. Uh, and yeah. then first motion, I'd be like, let's sort the name out because it's undermining. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any? Um, have That's you got okay. any ideas, Rob, on alternative names? Bearing in mind, it should be an acronym. Um, well, it doesn't have to be, does it? No, but it should be because then, because then, it's easier to talk about and better for for marketing. If it is, um, elf rights movement. Um, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 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 should we be treating them like this? Elf would be good because you could have the elvish 
liberation front front, front. oh and then, and then it's elf. elf that's great it that's is a guerrilla brilliant. warfare style organization as well it sounds a bit militant it's a bit bad it does maybe foundation elvish liberation foundation um rob i just out of interest did you laugh at this meeting did you laugh when she said oh harry you might want to be taking minutes and <laughs> Right now. Like, did you laugh? I think it's absolutely hysterical. Yeah, yeah, she's she's taking it a bit too seriously, a bit too. She's getting, she's, oh. you know, she's overexcited. It's a good cause. Love it, absolutely. What's Ron's response? As he was before, really, the sort of old traditional view that they love it. Absolutely, he can't be bothered with it, can he? Okay, knock, knock, knock. Who's at the window? It's Hedwig. What she got? She's got a letter from Sirius Black. And what does it say? Uh, 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 this is bad news. Your scar's hurting. I'm coming. He's reading the sign. You need to you need to be careful because Voldemort's going <sighs> to appear on the back of her head near you. <laughs> Absolutely. Harry's fuming, isn't he? Yeah, he realizes like he's annoyed. Um, yeah, because yeah, because he, he thinks he he might be putting Sirius in danger now by bringing him bringing him back and he's going to get caught and it's going to be Harry's fault and you know he's a generally sort of anxious and angsty little little teen yeah for sure who's he take it out on he takes it out on Ron <laughs> between chapters um doesn't he take it on Hedwig oh yeah 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 his relationship with Hedwig's a bit problematic as well I don't like do you reckon? just be nicer to him her it's literally the, the messengers being shot, basically. Is he a classic? Yeah. You're a classic. Unbelievable. Yeah, isn't he like, oh, I haven't got anything for you. Yeah, I know. So rude. Give us a biscuit, mate. Well, what, what a chapter that was. Um, right, walk through chapter 15 then, Bovaton Durmstrang. So the morning after hearing from Sirius, uh, Harry's got a plan. He gets up early and he goes to the, the Owlery. Mm. We can't gloss over the horrific conditions of the owlery. That needs to be. <laughs> that feels like it's overcrowded. That needs to clean. Is it not described as overcrowded? Oh, yeah, it's a little bit mucky in there, but what does the letter say <laughs> to Sirius? It's a sort of hasty attempt to, to row back on it. And he's like, oh, actually, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but it's pretty transparent. Yeah. It's, it's the work of a child. Exactly. So days pass without a response from Sirius. And in the next Defence Against the Dark Arts lesson, Professor Moody says that he's going to be placing the Imperious Curse on the students. And yeah. he's basically in order to teach them how to ward it off. That's the idea. Thoughts? It's, I mean, stepped up a notch, isn't it? Straight into, straight into practical. But, you know, I agree with his, you know, there's no better way of doing it than doing it. Fair enough. So, yeah, under Moody's control, a lot of the students are made to do some sort of very weird stuff. Um, don't know if you enjoyed any of that. Not really. I thought it was a bit... It, it could have been funnier, but like the stuff that they're made to do. Could have been funnier. Could have been funnier. Wait, what would you have had them done? Like, hopping round on one leg with a national anthem is just... It's very... It's like... Yeah, but it's what, kids... what would you have done? Because you can't get them to get their bums out. <laughs> I think Mooney's Mooney's <laughs> not appropriate. Mooney's are very much like an early secondary school kind of vibe. I reckon the kids would have loved that. I don't yeah, think the teacher could, but, uh, I don't teacher the teacher could force is. a kid to show their ass. <laughs> yeah. <to> their <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, you're right. Actually, I retract that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, just, just sort of, you know, spitballing. Okay, fine. So when it's Harry's turn, we mm. get a, we get a description of what it feels like to be under the curse. What, what is that feeling described as? Yeah. So he's got like a sort of, a sort of, um, almost like a drugged kind of like euphoria. Yeah. For a bit, and he's painless, and he's all relaxed, and then. Yes, and the voice in his head, essentially, that's sort of controlling him. But then he has another one. Yeah, so the main description is that, yeah, he feels really calm and relaxed. And then we hear Moody's voice in his head ordering him to jump on the desk. And Harry's just preparing to jump. But then, yeah, you're right, he gets another voice in the back of his head. And what's that voice saying? Don't, don't, don't bother. Don't do it. Yeah, it's, you know, considering, like, why should... Mm. Harry do what Moody's telling him to do. And it's so silly, isn't it? the conflict between these two voices causes what to happen? Um, it kind of gets stuck in between doing both. Mm. And he tries to jump, but doesn't jump and just basically just sort of crashes into it and falls on the floor. Yeah, I always, Sounds painful. I always love to imagine that, like what that would look like, sort of jumping and also Should trying not to you? jump at the same time. <laughs> Don't. No. The, the kneecaps thing, it, it made me wince a bit. Yeah. yeah. So what does Moody say about that? He's loving it. He's, he's really glad that Harry's like nearly nailed, sort of overriding it, yeah. stopping it. So he gets him to do it again and again. Yeah. Practice it and then eventually nails it. So as the weeks go by, the students' sort of workload is increasing in all of their classes. Uh, you know, we get a rundown of all the stuff they're being made to do. And McGonagall gives them some grief about how their OWL exams are now sort of coming onto the horizon the end of next year. Um, and she's sort of digging them out a bit for being a bit behind mm. where they need to be. Familiar, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, back some old memories. I really like that line to what's it, Dean Thomas? About his pincushion. Yeah. Yeah, it, it rolls <laughs> up in fear. Anyone, anyway, someone approaches it with a pin. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Again, though, the morals of the way they treat the animals. I know. I know. So Awful. you're telling me that you turn a hedgehog into a pincushion. You then stick pins in it, and if you <laughs> haven't it. done it well enough, it still it literally hurts and scares the hedgehog. Yeah, honestly, and with the spiders, and I've ta- I've talked about this before. It's always non-magical creatures that get this treatment. It's never the magical creatures. They have their own class for taking care of them. Anyway, True. we get a bit of aggro between Hagrid and Malfoy because um, Malfoy's being very insolent about looking after the scroots. And then near the end of October, mm. a poster goes up and it informs the students that the delegations from Beaubaton and Durmstrang are going to be arriving on October the 30th, so the day before Halloween. And a Hufflepuff boy reads the sign and then he says that he should go and tell Cedric Diggory. What do Ron and Hermione sort of bicker about here? Oh, like whether Cedric's going to be the Hogwarts champ. Mm. And he's saying Hermione only likes him because he's fit. Mm. and she's like oh, i'd never do that never judge anyone like that absolutely just as a bit of feedback do you think my voice is more boring when i'm hungover and it's lower yeah, yeah. i was literally just thinking I was, that. I was thinking that too i can hear it okay um <laughs> all right well done guys um we'll, i think we'll leave that in <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners yeah. what do you think yeah <laughs> please please get in touch with us the harry potter virgin on instagram or the harry potter virgin on facebook let us know do you think <laughs> Rob's voice is more boring 
or less boring when he's hungover. We should put like a little message at the top of the episode, just being like, you know, warning people off. If you're affected, yeah. trigger warning for being for boring voices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's difficult when warning. it's already at quite a high level of boring to yeah. know whether it is more boring <laughs> like, oh. or whether you're just bored of it so you can't tell <laughs> i can't tell yeah yeah so yeah they're arguing about whether cedric's intelligent or not whether he'd be a good champion mm. yeah and you're right Ron, ron's having a go at her next we get this little bit with fred and george who are continuing with their slightly suspicious edgy behavior and what do we overhear them saying this time Oh, um, they are going to have to... I can't remember the detail, but like they're up to something, aren't they? Yeah, well, they say that something is, and I quote, a bummer, and they're trying to contact someone, Mm. but that Mm. someone is avoiding them deliberately. So they're Mm. talking about how to get a message to them. And obviously last time we heard them trying to write out what the message should should be. Uh, Any ideas what's going on there? What's, What's going on there? happening there no well it's, it's probably it's either to do with their little business or the um they're trying to get into the comp aren't they somehow they're trying to fake their way in so hermione's obviously continuing with her spew efforts and she's trying to con- to cajole harry and ron into recruiting people into the into the movement um but unfortunately most people just think it's a massive joke and just sort of shrug it off and the twins who have refused to join already um mm. also suggest to hermione that she should go to meet the house elves herself and see for herself how happy they are thoughts on that yeah i think that's a sensible sensible step you know if you're going to campaign for a cause then you should know it inside out and have a proper experience and you know she's like coming from our perspective where it seems like they're slaves but you know who knows what's going on in the magical world they might be they might literally love it because magically that's what they do or something i think this is quite a difficult one isn't it it is it is we're going to talk about it later though so harry receives word from sirius and what does he say hedwig brings him a letter yeah, it's, it's, it's transparent. He's seen through it, obviously. Yeah. He's in the country. Uh, he's, he's around. Just, just you know, watch out. Yeah, he's like, I'm not, I'm not taking, um, you know, I'm not falling for that, Harry. I'm back already. I'm well hidden. Don't worry about me. Look after yourself. The Hogwarts students all line up to welcome the guests and the kids speculate as to how the other schools are going to arrive. They've got all the usual ideas, your brooms, your apparition, blah, blah, blah. And... How do they arrive, Rob? I want, I want you to answer both of them together. Then we'll talk about the little in-between bits. So how do they arrive and what did you make of it? Um, big house, horse-drawn house with elephant-sized horses. That's the French one. Yep. Beau Baton. Mm-hmm. And the ship comes up from the bottom of the lake and then just sails across mm-hmm. for the Germans. And what did, what did you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, good imagination. Fair play to her. She's she's come up with a couple of ideas there. You know, there could have been others. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was good. Okay. It was good. Okay. The, the massive like, woman. Phil's making the... a face. I'd like to hear like, what Phil's... Name, name another one. What come in like a blimp or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, a blimp. What? Yeah. Like what? Could be a blimp. A pig if your blimp. Your mind wasn't blown. I honestly think there's something wrong with you. Anyways, it could be. 
We can't have a conversation about all the possibilities. Yeah, They're literally endless. I'm I'm with Rob on this one. I think the possibilities are. That's true. But if endless. you weren't like, oh my god, that is so. Ah, oh, like he's given us some credit. He's given us some credit. He said fair play. Good ideas, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> earlier in the chapter, we did also yeah. learn in the interaction with the, the twins and Hermione that there is going to be the panel of judges for the uh, Triwizard mm-hmm. Tournament, and that will include the heads of each school. And yeah. we get some information on the two head teachers that have arrived. So again, let's just take them both together. Who are they? And what are your first impressions? Yeah, so they obviously know Dumbledore. Mm. There's a bit of sort of head teachers association or something where they know each other. Mm. Um, the Madame is like a, she's a giant essentially, yeah. like Hagrid. Yeah, she seems to be similar to to Hagrid in terms of like size and stature. I mean, yeah. what does she look like roughly? How does she seem as a person? She's a bit kind of like snooty, I guess. A bit entitled, like giving directions about how to look after her horses. Mm. Um, you know, doesn't really expect that Hagrid will know what to do. Mm. And then you've got a slightly kind of dodgy fella who's got a little goatee, little pointy curly goatee, and it says something like he smiles but not with his eyes. He's like dead behind the eyes or something, mm. which, yeah, doesn't feel great. Yeah, similar, similar kind of stature to Dumbledore, but he's got short grey hair and little goatee. I thought this was a very accurate description of an older European man. Sort of like the silver fox. I imagine him having like the little round glasses as well, although it doesn't say that he has any. Uh, I, I note that you haven't named either of them. Is that because you don't remember their names? It's fine if you don't. Madame Maxime. Very good. Mm-hmm. And he's called like uh, Zorkarov or something. Good effort. It's Igor Karkarov. Karkarov. Yeah. Good. Good areas. So we've got Igor Karkarov, Madame Maxime. And yeah, I think you've got, you know, kind of first impression you're supposed to get of them there. So um they're all they're all cold the Beaubaton students so they sort of go up to the castle to to warm up before Dermstrang arrive and then as you said Rob the ship comes up we meet Karkarov and then the very last thing that we find out at the end of the chapter is that one of the students from Dermstrang is Victor Crum thoughts yeah I mean he's he's obviously got you know a successful career ahead of him internationally but he's, he's still got to do his studies he? right I'm not being funny when I read that at the end of this chapter I was like <gasps> was it was do you think it was supposed to be like a cliffhanger no, no it's, it's supposed to be like a person. like, like oh he's an God. international quidditch player a mm. star it's creme Ron's very excited isn't he but aren't you excited well, I mean, he's got to go to school somewhere, hasn't he? Yeah, but... I guess. No, but now he's going to be in the book more, I think, is what Phil's getting at. Yeah, yeah. We doesn't seem like much of a... I know, but just, like, the way the it all ties together and it's just like, oh, my God, crumb. It's so yeah, but difficult I... to impress you, Rob. Like, well, I mean, I think... With you. You know, like, some, like, top-level sportsmen, like, there's not really much, like... You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't want to necessarily hang out with them. Uh, like I don't other than him being great at Quidditch, Quidditch I can't yeah but if you were at, so when you were at school if like David Beckham would like come in like and just like been like right David Beckham's in school for a week like that would have been yeah. pretty fucking exciting yeah yeah fair enough right anyway let's move on so first things first 
it's time for you to open your package, Harry Possible. Yes. Jim. Then we're going to have ratings. Then we're going to go muggle mail. So let's right. see. I don't know if you've done this on purpose, um, but there's, there's a hair, there's a hair sellotaped <laughs> into it, which feels a bit. <laughs> we didn't send it, so I don't know what you're asking us for. I don't know what's Get in the there. Get the DNA now. from it. If it it's... is anthrax, you need to that with DNA. <laughs> it's. It's a very small package. It's um, padded. It's incredibly light. Um, God, this is like Christmas. It feels like it might have nothing in. Oh, hello. It's a small thing. It's, it's in some more black paper. <laughs> God, it's quite tough. God, this is really pressured. Very warm in here. It's... That's a... <laughs> <laughs> Where is it, Rob? It's a spew pin badge. Yeah, Rob's joined spew. Yeah, Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Oh, there it is. Promotion. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. Right, put it on, Rob. Oh God. Put it on, Rob. Forgive me. You have to put it on immediately. Oh, Um, there you go. He's gonna wear that everywhere now. What colour is it? Sort of dark blue. Okay. Nassery. Very nice. Very good. Yeah. So Rob's got his um, SPEW He's badge joined. on, which is fantastic. I hope you paid off. Yeah. Two sickles. <laughs> yeah. You got to send your two sickles in. Come on. <laughs> right. Ratings then. Let's do this. Um, you've obviously got your OWL marking criteria there. Yes. Everything from, everything from O to T. So let's go ahead then with the Unforgivable Curses uh, rating for that chapter, please, Rob. Uh, it's an acceptable from me. Okay, we've got an A for the unforgivable curses. Millers mm. have said uh, the word wanker. But I, think, I don't think it was. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think it was picked up. So I thought. No, I, was, I didn't pick up on the audio. So I'd thanks for clarifying that. Um, and then, <laughs> so for chapter fifteen, Bobasan Durmstrang. Yeah, you might need to bleed this out. The reaction, but I'm going to go for poor. I'm sorry, but that is the no. Sorry, that is. The... <laughs> Bullshit. Because because any of us just because that. you're hungover. Oh, just you're taking it out on on Potter. It's basically pick pick two sort of random modes of transport. Oh, I, I, I'm not telling me that the Chinese tournament impressed. and Mad Eye Moody got EE, and, this and is the AP. unforgivable curses and Boba Tom Durmstrang got AP. I've got to use my, my rankings. No, my, yeah, my... no, you, you're doing we it well. I'm just, I'm just... Appropriately. Um, chapter two, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the worst oh, we've had for a while. Okay, let's move on to Muggle Mail. Right. Is it all right if I do this first, just because it's relevant to the package? First bit of Muggle Mail is from Rosie King. And just because you've, you've got your badge on there, Rob, if you were a Hogwarts student, would you join SBEW? Oh, yeah. yeah. I would, but I need some more info. Yeah, so here we go. This is what I was sort of saying that we were going to talk mm. about it because, Rob, you obviously need some more info. Maybe us three should talk about this a bit more once Rob's gone because we already know know the additional info and stuff anyway. So I wouldn't join. You wouldn't join? I no. would. Phil would? From the po- yeah, I know, just like knowing me like I know me. Rob evidently just, would because he's already wearing a badge. Yeah, Rob would. I'd um, just be like, well, do you know what? It's only two seconds. Like, I've got it. I've got it to burn. Whatever. I would too. I would. I think I would yeah, join just, just to get them to leave me alone. Well, like, like Neville yeah. did. But you wouldn't be wearing the badge, yeah. would you? No. 
I might put it on like my school bag. <laughs> but but I join, but in my head I'd be thinking you're wasting your time, Lev. This yeah. goes back too far. Like I'd just be like, you're not, attitude, Phil. Not gonna you wouldn't you wouldn't be an active member. Well, I just yeah. She we had another piece of muggle mail from Rosie King, which I think was actually sent as our post, but I think we can have it as muggle mail because I want to hear Rob's thoughts. Which of the unforgivable curses do you think is the most unforgivable? Probably the old kill. <laughs> That's pretty dark, yeah. The killing. Murdering. And if a Death Eater... Do you remember what a Death Eater is, Rob? Are these the slimy guys from the train? These are the people... <laughs> no, that's a Dementor, but lots of people got confused by that. Don't worry. Oh, why are they so close? I mean, they're not. The Death Eaters are the ones who follow Voldemort. They're Voldemort's followers. They're the puppeteers. They wear masks. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if, yep. <laughs> this is such an amazing question. If a Death Eater was to perform one on you, which one would you rather it be? Oh, I'd have the um, voice in the head. You'd have really? Imperius. Well, think about what they could make you do, Rob. Yeah. Think about what that could do for your career. Yeah, but I want the little buzz. I'd have that because it's the one that you seem to be able to fight. And you get the little sort of drug buzz at the start. Oh, I bet it feels amazing. Because if you get, exactly, if so you get cruciated, like, you know, that, no that sounds awful. Yeah. It is awful, but like, hope it's like shorter term. Like, but it also sounds hopeless. Take... Like, you can't, it, it doesn't sound like you can fight it once it's on you. You're just but at their all... mercy. But as hope, Imperius, but... you can fight. Yeah. I think the problem with Imperius is that it's seen, it's, shown to us as like being quite easy to fight because we see Harry who is mm. a teenager fight it in the end like pretty successfully but I don't really think it's that easy otherwise it wouldn't be effect as effective it when it wouldn't be as used let's talk more about that in the deep dive because I do want to talk more about the that. person taking you over might do nice stuff with you anyway you don't know no, but it's a death eater the question is a death eater is doing it to you Oh yeah, they don't I'd sound. Go for, I'd go for Crucio. I've already, yeah, me too. I've already experienced the Cruciatus curse without wanting to put anyone off. But honest to God, that's what contractions are like. <laughs> it's horrific. I want to. Um, this is probably not actually Muggle Mail, and um, you both heard it. But this is mainly for the listeners. We've got some mail on. Oh yeah. WhatsApp. Good evening. Um, hot respond here. Here is the uh, next um, edition for you for your podcast. And that was performed live. Yeah, I could, it was really good. It was good, wasn't it? I thought it was, it was a really good live stunning. version. I don't think Rob knows what it's from. Rob, do you want that as maybe your message tone? How can I make that my message tone on my phone? <laughs> we'll send it on. We sent it on to the group, so I, you can probably download it. I don't know. No, well, just one thing. Like, Lindsay Millington sent something. Was that Muggle or was that Owl? And can I just say, um, I wasn't having a very good day the day that came through. The pro of that day was the Mugs arrived. Yeah. Um. That same day, about ten minutes later, I read the message from Lindsay Millington. I was a bit busy at the time, so I just scan read it, and the last line was, "I wouldn't bother with the mugs. I'd go for Rob Calendars." <laughs> <laughs> 
I think this is to do with your bath picture, Rob. <laughs> it was alluded to well, an episode or two ago. Yeah, yeah, I think we have to do calendars. Like the fans want it, Rob. It literally says, Phil, forget the mugs. I was thinking, shit, they just arrived. Start selling Rob calendars. I don't know if I've got the attention to detail for these Rob calendars. Need at least 12 pictures, Rob, of you in a bath. No, no, no not all in a bath. At, at Christmas, you'll have like a Santa hat. Some of them, yeah. some of them should be in like a, a, wood, a woodland location um, wearing just a pair of shorts. And maybe some with like the body of a horse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right, we're doing this. Right, Phil, this is your new job. Oh, God. <laughs> is it easy to arrange the body of a horse, you know? Um, Have you ever seen Panto? <laughs> Just photo- we'll, we'll Photoshop it, be fine. Oh. Okay, I've got some muggle mail here. Have any of you completely made up answers to homework like Harry and Ron did for Trelawney? I once made up a whole essay in a history exam about Mussolini because I hadn't revised <laughs> that part of the curriculum. <laughs> who's, who's this from? Your mother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God, I'd love to read that. Oh, but once in my, I had a geography exam. It was, the question was, what's the capital city of Russia? And I didn't know anywhere in Russia. The only thing I knew about Russia was Anastasia, you know, the film. And, uh, <laughs> Not the I'm out of love singer. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, there was a city in there, in there. And I was thinking of St. Petersburg, but I couldn't quite think of it. So I put Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have, like, in an exam, not known an answer, so just gone like literally like that just you might as well put something but i can't remember any specifics i think we'd all we'd all frequently lie in language subjects oh i lie well to say what we're doing just just basically so that it was the easiest thing to say oh yeah 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 well um in welsh so obviously everybody always says red wing coffee coffee which means i like coffee but also everybody always said that they like playing squash because do you know what the Welsh word is for squash, as in the game squash? Sponken. <laughs> <laughs> Too much for a teenager to resist that. <laughs> Classic. Okay, another one from Lindsay Millington. Um, Rob, we have touched on this a little bit. What do you think of Harry's treatment of Hedwig when she returns after such a long journey delivering his mail? Personally, I think he's really mean. I know he's preoccupied and now feeling guilty about seriously about serious, but even so, what do you think? Yeah, I'm sick of it, to be honest. Yeah, sick of it. I am absolutely sick of it because it's been happening for ages and mm. it's low level and he's supposed to be the nice guy of the book. He's supposed to be on our side. It's not the animal's fault. It's hard, though, being a teenager, isn't it, all those hormones? Give it a biscuit or something or a mouse. I've got some muggle <laughs> mail from Cheesehead. Miranda. What the f... Is she from Wisconsin, Rob? Oh, okay. Rob, we have a lot of American listeners. I think he wasn't around when we met her last week. Rob, did you know that um, Wisconsin produces 47% of total cheese production? US US cheese production. US, sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. So her first question is, would you like to have a teacher like Moody? Oh, big time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we, we, we did have a slightly, not, not like Moody, but we did have 
a slightly old kind of grizzled teacher, Kingy and I, who very much like went off piste um, and just taught us the lessons of life. Hoffman, yeah, rather than the syllabus. And actually everyone loved it. Yeah, he was fantastic. The authorities less so. What, What was that subject? Economics. It was economics, yeah. Which at that point, when it's at school, is like actual economics rather than all the sort of weird math stuff that they do at uni. I mean, I did love him, but he was he was not putting much effort in, was he? He was just I don't know. He got the job to this day. I'm agreed. I'm baffled for how he how he actually got through. He had to become a teacher. Okay. She also said, "Are you missing all the Quidditch practice?" Yeah, there's not been not been much Quidditch, not been much Dobby, not much Cho. You know, like a, a bit of why, a few characters. Why hasn't there been any Quidditch? <laughs> I mean, there was the World Cup, but yeah. Well, because they've got this tournament coming up, so so we're not going to yeah. have any Quidditch, are we? No. no. Yeah, we've got a message from Erica. Where's Erica from? I don't know. If I'm honest, oh, she's a real fan. She is. Hi, Erica. You nerd. I think she might have come through a friend, um, but she wants us to do a final season. What, already? (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to read out the ones complaining. (laughs) It's time to wrap up now, guys. (laughs) After we've finished all the books where you watch a film each week. Give me a break, Erica. Any film or the or the, <laughs> Harry, the Harry Potter film. <laughs> All the films. I think that's a great idea. So yeah, it's a great idea. And and also, well, we are not fans of the film, so we hate then them. it's we're we're completely on board with you bitching about the films. Rob will probably love it. I was gonna say you might like them. Yeah, maybe we should have should have done that instead. <laughs> Seven episodes. <laughs> Um, this isn't Muggle Mail. This is just people, this is just real fans that have got in touch to say how much they're enjoying it. Oh, amazing. So we've got Chelsea, who I think, have I mentioned Chelsea, who's in New Zealand? Big up to Chelsea in New Zealand. Big up Chelsea in New Zealand. Big up Chelsea. Is she a real fan, Phil? She is. Um, Ray, who's in Canada, she's really enjoying it. And she, both of them Nerd. saying that they listen on um, Google Podcasts, so they can't seem to find a way to give us a review. Yeah, that's uh, annoying. You can't review on Google Podcasts. It's really annoying. Well, we know. And then Cheryl, who's got in touch before, I believe Cheryl's from the States, she just wanted to say to you, Kingy, great job of reading um, Moody's entry passage. I tried, yeah. I tried really hard. He is available yes. for voiceover work. I am well, available she, for voiceover work. She says um, she's listened to you reading all the books. And then she also gives the suggestion, maybe you can read the chapters to Rob live. I, oh, man. I would love to do that. Maybe we could do some special episodes in later series where... I'm uh, not sure that like people want to hear. Well, it could be an optional thing. I think we should have, I think we should have like a side-by-side YouTube channel where like we upload some of these... Oh, my gosh. Some of these clips. Well, someone whose name I can't pronounce says, "Are you guys available on YouTube?" Well, yeah, I'm thinking that I might. I'm thinking that I might set one up, and we I, we upload like short clips from the episodes, um, right. like with this video, so people can see what it looks like when we're talking and stuff. And then we could do stuff like that. It sounds like more work. More fun. Okay, it's all good fun, isn't it? It's all good um, fun. 
that was all that's everything that i had it's so nice that to, to get the feedback from people cheers guys cheers. Oh, no, thanks yeah. for getting in touch if you're a real fan and you've never got in touch with us before please do um because we will definitely read you out and you'll be uh harry potter virgin famous and um Ooh. it will make us feel good inside so it would be your good deed for the day chap chap chapters i need my chapters hang on rob you're taking your, your badge is falling oh, off oh no rob. yeah you're right it has rob. Oh, he took it off. Oh, look, he's being moody with his badge. <laughs> right, chapters. They're getting long, aren't they? Mate, this book is nothing as well. Next week, you are going to be reading chapter 16, Millers. The Goblet of Fire. The Goblet oh. of Fire. Hello. Title chapter, title track. And chapter 17... The four champions. What's going on there, Rob? That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? We got our we got our four four finalists from each school. What for the tri wizard tournament? His face. Yeah. Oh, there's another school in there. He's working it out. Maybe there's a magic um wild card. Wild card school could be. What okay. What do you think the goblet of fire is? Probably one of the challenges. Like you have to down a goblet of fire or something. We like to drink. All right. <laughs> uh, okay then. So all good. I think we can. I think he can go now. Okay. Bye. Hello. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs> bye, Rob. Thanks, mate. See you next. Bye. bye. He's gone. Thoughts? I mean, you made your thoughts quite clear already. I'm fucking human. Yeah. Yeah, it's a disappointment. It's just that like I, there seems to be no consistency. It doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. a total flip reverse of what we had last week, which is what we had low expectations, and he came in. And like, to come with a pause so for happy. that, I just don't. And then, the, and then this week he's we've had very high expectations, and he's 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 let us down somewhat. So I've just been waiting for like the unforgivable verses and spew for like a long time. You know, yeah. he's been all over like the house elf thing, the Dobby. He loves Dobby. Now it finally came and it's just, he doesn't give a shit. Before any questions, um, I just have more some like owl advice yeah. from Emir. Long time friend of the show. Um, because obviously, yeah. like everyone, they, they heard that you're, you're not very well. And he says, maybe you should try drinking your own venom. It works on your little Voldy baby. <laughs> true now by your venom that is your breast milk yeah yeah um thank you <laughs> <laughs> he also had a question for about book one why is it that harry and hermione have to take norbert to the top of the tower and break loads of school rules why didn't hagrid go up there to meet charlie's friends and deal with the exchange do you know what i think there is quite a big plot hole around that whole mm. thing and i yeah. know kids don't even like the chats with us there is a massive question mark i think it's to do with them trying to protect hagrid like hagrid would get seen he's huge yeah but would it be that suspicious is anyone going to question him i mean like i said i think it is a, a plot hole essentially yeah like, why are they getting involved, really? And you know also, I mean? like, he would actually be able to carry it, whereas they're, like, 
really struggling to get out there. They're trying to protect him. Like, Hagrid can't keep a secret to save his life. We've seen it a million times. So Mm. I think they're... And maybe, like, he... Maybe because they know he wouldn't go through with it. Yeah, that's right. I agree that it's it's a very fair question, that. Okay, some owl post from Lizzie Millington. Yeah. Does Barty Crouch Jr. have to alter his voice in order to sound like Mad-Eye? I thought Polyjuice Potion only changed your appearance, not your voice. But uh, but I could have been influenced by the films on that. No, I think that is all film. That is all film. Yeah, I don't think it ever suggests in the books that it doesn't alter your voice. Mm-hmm. I'm almost certain it says that their voices are changed in the book. But I think I, so. I feel There's like... There's no way on this planet Barty Crouch Jr. is putting on Moody's voice for a year and getting away with it. It's maybe some inconsistencies about what it does because when Hermione takes it to be Bellatrix, the thing is, there's having someone's voice and there's being able to do a good impression exactly. of their mannerism and behavior and tone. Yeah. Just because you've got someone's vocal cords doesn't mean that you can do an accurate impression of how they hold themselves how they speak, what words they choose, And how cetera, would they have got away with the ministry break-in if they had their own voices? Because they don't even know what those people sound like. No, yeah, it, it, it must do. It's just that I... It's just whether it, whether there are any gaps in, in the book in terms of that. I don't I think, think there are, but, I, no. but, but the, the Hermione Bellatrix one was what flicked in my mind. Because I was like... Sure, it says I feel like Hermione. she has to practice and she... someone says, like, oh, no, not like that or something. Yeah. I think it's to do with when she doesn't talk disdainfully enough to people. It's That's to right. do with her own discomfort with the whole thing as well. That's yeah. right. What else do we have? Um, what do you think of the punishment Mad-Eye inflicts on Malfoy, turning him into a ferret and deliberately whacking him against the floor repeatedly? Do you think this is as bad as Umbridge's punishment to Harry... In the Half Blood Prince, like I don't think objectively, I don't think it's as bad. Um, also, there's a difference between a punishment that like you actually deserve and one that is completely unjust, in my opinion. But but I want to also just say I don't. It's not good. <laughs> like it's definitely no, not good. What he does to Malfoy is not good. Um, but it's not as bad as what Ambridge does. And at least Malfoy actually did something. He actually shot a spell at someone when they had their back turned, which. Yeah. You obviously shouldn't do, and you, sh- you should learn that lesson. Yeah, she says, I feel it's not quite, but still pretty unacceptable. Do you think the real Mad-Eye would have done it? No. No, and then she says, do you think Barty Crouch Jr. is getting his own back on Malfoy for being one of the Death Eaters who, when it came to the crunch, decided to save their own skins and denied Voldemort? A hundred percent. When he in the um, you know, the chapter that's like the egg and that the egg and the eye says if there's one thing I hate, it's a death eater that walks free. free. Yeah. The real Moody must have been capable of doing things very similar because otherwise that would give him away immediately. I I agree. It needs to have been plausible, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But I think, the, it's plausible. I think the, the point is that though that the real Moody is obviously a complete maverick and has done lots of obviously very violent things within his work but he's never been a teacher so people don't know what yeah. he's like as a teacher I think that's why you kind of get away with it but a hundred percent is his anger towards Malfoy's father hundred percent definitely yeah 
we had a uh, voice note um, from Tab. So I'm just going to play it. So I'm um, listening to book, beginning of book four. So when um, Mado Media is teaching them about the, um, the curses, why does he give Harry so many chances to then overcome the Imperius curse? Why doesn't he just do it once and then be like, oh yeah, he's really good. Woo-woo. Why does he keep going until he literally, like it's get a benefit to Harry to do that, right? Why is he helping Harry out? I also had like a very similar um, piece of outpost from Kate asking about what Barty Crouch Jr.'s motivations were in in this lesson. I also had the same question from longtime friend of the show, Lauren King. Yeah, there's what Kate had one idea that it was maybe just a really sadistic way to to mess with them. My instinct on this is that he doesn't see any harm in doing it because. He doesn't think that when Harry and Voldemort come face to face, that there's any chance on this earth that he will get away alive. So you think it's just like for fun? So he almost doesn't see any harm in it. Lauren King actually asked me this outpost in person and then she said, oh, actually, maybe it's probably this. And I think she'd answered her own question. I think she's right. Um, She suggested that maybe it might be to do with the fact that he is there to get Harry to win the Triwizard Tournament. And we know that the Triwizard Tournament is notorious for cheating and outside interference. Maybe, as well as, you know, the other reasons that he has for for showing these curses, he's trying to see how well Harry responds to that so that either he or somebody else could use it on him during the tournament, either trying to hamper or help. He wants Harry to not be able to be controlled by another person like Karkaroff. So he knows who Karkaroff is. He knows what Karkaroff's like. He knows that Karkaroff will probably try to interfere with the Triwizard Tournament, which he does. And he is trying to help Harry um, be able to fight that just in case Karkaroff or somebody else tries to use it on him. Barty Crouch Jr. already knows that A, Harry is going to be in the tournament and B, it's very, very important for Harry to win it. I think it's a fair point. Or to experiment and see how much he could potentially control Harry during the tournament with the uh, idea of helping him to win. Mm. I didn't really buy the second reason because he's encouraging him. He's like actively helping him and encouraging him to fight it. No, I think the first one is by far the more convincing. And, And I feel like that's the kind of the reason we're sold at the end when... He does his big confession. He's like, oh, I had to, like, help you enough to to get you to the goblet. Yeah, to the graveyard. That's it. That is it. I don't really see that helping him to fight the Imperius curse is is actually doing that. I mean, in the end, it doesn't... Well, what happens in the maze? An, a champion is put under the Imperius yeah. curse by yeah, somebody Barty, interfering. By Barty um, yes, but I think yeah. Crouch is is thinking about On other people Gwen. trying to do that to Harry, trying to interfere, trying mm-hmm. to mess with him. Yeah, I just don't. And really, then, I just don't really buy it. But why do you think Moody does it? Um, I don't know. Crouch like Jr. it doesn't does make it. like I I would more buy the idea of it's him being sick. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also he, he finds fair. like he gets enjoyment from like yeah, scaring yeah. them. I think that's also messing fair. with them. 
she also says that um obviously you know the stuff that about obviously the stuff he says about Dumbledore saying it's okay yeah he's obviously made up it's interesting given that it people seem to be talking about Moody and his classes a lot that word doesn't seem to reach the other teachers no, I don't think it is made up I don't think it's made up I really I definitely think it's made no, up I think Dumbledore trusts Moody implicitly and they've and Dumbledore thinks that it's a maybe Dumbledore's even said to him I want you to push Harry with it because I want to see if Harry can overcome it Quite possibly. I I have always thought that there's no way there's there's no way because he's risking blowing his cover completely. Dumbledore is in agreement that the kids should be taught about the um the unforgivable curses. That's just mad though that, that Dumbledore would do that to teach them it. Why? There's a war coming, Millers. Buckle up for their children. But they they're going to war. But Dumbledore's always of that opinion of like, you need to know. At the end of the book, he tells them but like, he straight doesn't, out. Like, I don't think, but then it's like, okay, so we think that they legitimately need to know, but I don't think they do legitimately need to know. I think- But they do. If, if it had been Moody taking that class this year, they wouldn't have known. They know, they have those lessons. They experience the imperious curse because it's Barty Crouch Jr. No. I don't know. It's I, otherwise it would be on the curriculum for it is, for year for fourth year students. I don't know whose idea it was. What I know is or what I really, really strongly believe is that there is an agreement between Dumbledore and Barty Crouch Jr. masquerading as Moody to show this class these curses. Yeah. Because what does Dumbledore say when Moody takes Harry away? He says the real Alastair Moody would never have done that. So Moody is putting on this performance, or Crouch is putting on this performance as Moody the whole year, and it's completely, it's essential to him that Dumbledore trusts him completely. Mm. Your Kate is right. The word would get back to Dumbledore yeah. that this was going on. And if the word got back to Dumbledore that this was going on and that he hadn't agreed it, like... Barty Crouch, Barty Crouch's cover is blown immediately. Dumbledore would be like, the real Alistair Moody would never do that without my permission and say that I gave my permission. Yeah, like Millers, prior to the... When they knew the Triwizard Tournament to come, the murder of Frank Bryce, like those things are the signs that lead to Dumbledore getting in an aura to Hogwarts. Okay, let's move on. I had something about this scene. Oh, Miranda, she's head, says, if Moody had cleared the desk out and Harry went into the cleared space, how did Harry smash his knees on a desk? And it's just because he's trying to jump onto the desk. Yeah. So the space was clear, but he must have then gone to a desk to jump on. I sort of, I sort of know what she's saying because it says that the the space is cleared and then it does I don't think it says anything about like Harry walked up to a desk no but like he was told to jump onto a desk yeah but how far is he supposed to be jumping well I don't know but like we don't know how big how big the space is that he's in I know what she means it's written it's almost written implying that Harry stood up behind his desk yeah when, so right. when the curse goes on him 
which can't be the case if they've cleared the desks to the side. Maybe that's not how I re- like envisage it. I just like he's like yeah, they're in the classroom, but there are obviously desks, and he's told to jump onto a desk, so he's imperious. So he does, or he half does. Maybe it's the main desk. Yeah, I think it's the teacher's desk. Yeah. Some um, outpost from Jamie. Top real fan. Um. He says, Sirius says not to use Hedwig to communicate with him, as she would be too conspicuous. Got me thinking that if the Ministry is looking for Sirius, couldn't they just send him some owl post and then follow the owl? <laughs> Further to this, when the Ministry is looking for Voldemort, couldn't they just do the same? I can imagine the scene, Voldemort opens the letter and it reads, gotcha, with 50 auras banging on the door. <laughs> point i'll tell you what it's a good yeah point. it is because like these owls like there's never any dress is it they're just supposed to be able to find a person mm. yeah it's a good so, point it is a good point i've yeah. got nothing honestly don't know yeah nothing to come back on just like jump on a broom and follow the owl yeah i suppose yeah. one might argue that maybe you you know i'm just obviously i'm, I'm i am making this up but there is obviously there must be some reason why that can't uh, happen and I don't mean that there actually exist ones in real life but like it doesn't happen so it can't happen yeah. maybe it's a it's like the magic where um, things are concealed or some you know you can't find yeah. you know how the muggles can't find the Quidditch stadium mm-hmm. maybe like post owls are like, can't are like you can't follow them like you, you just physically can't follow a post owl because it's you know, if that was possible to do, there's all kinds of like security issues and like um, privacy issues with that. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that post owls just can't be followed. Like they've got some magic. Some outposts from from Katie. In the chapter recap, you mentioned the scene where Trelawney gets Harry's birthday wrong. This is actually a Horcrux clue because what Trelawney was actually reading was a part of Voldemort's soul in Harry. She says, your dark hair, your mean stature, tragic losses so young in life. I think I'm right in saying, my dear, that you were born in midwinter. Voldemort's birthday is the 31st of December. This is a great example of Trelawney making a correct, making a correct prediction, but getting the interpretation wrong. That's this happens amazing. again in book six when she's reading tarot cards. Also, throughout the fourth book, Harry and Ron make up predictions for divination homework, but they all actually come true. That, I didn't realize. I didn't realize any of this. That was one of my deep dive notes for this week was to discuss those right. boys' predictions. Can we go through? Should we go through them? Now. I've got them here in order of what they write them down. Okay. But there are some that I can't. That I can't like marry up okay so i want to see what you guys think so the first one is burns i'll be at risk of burns who's that harry well somebody says scroops don't they but But i think it's actually the dragon oh it's the dragon and also harry's name is like literally burnt in the goblet of fire as well i'll lose a treasured possession the egg well i think that's alluding to the fact that the mermaids take something oh yeah Oh, yeah. You know, a treasured person from yeah. you. So I think that's the lake task. You'll be stabbed in the back by a 
friend. And when you go with a friend, yeah. Yeah, so that's obviously alluding to Moody. Well, or um, Ron, because Ron stabs him in the back. Well, Ron... There's, isn't there another one that... There is another prediction that is... How does Ron. how does Ron stab, stab him in the well, back? Well, he totally turns against him. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. He does. It's not quite the same, maybe, as stabbing back. Um, but... I'll come off worse than a fight. Who was that? I can't remember who said it, but it said, I'll come off worse than a fight. I think it might. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Harry. Harry coming off worse than a fight. Oh, Cedric over Cho. Yeah, that could be one of them. Yeah. I also think you could argue that Harry does somewhat come off worse in a fight in um, the graveyard, potentially. Not as bad as Cedric. Or I was thinking that, like, actually, they're, they're making. Yeah, they're making a prediction about Cedric. And what um, about um, Ron losing a bat? Like, like I say, these things don't necessarily literally come true, but they're all alluding to things that take part in the book. How does he lose a bat? Well, it's alluding to Bagman losing his bets. Oh, but it's not Ron. Bagman bets on Harry to win the tournament yeah, with the not, goblins to try and win Ron. A... No, I'm saying they don't literally come true for Harry and Ron. They allude to things oh, that I... take oh. place in the book. Oh. Ron will drown twice. So, firstly, there's Ron drowning, and he's obviously taken down to the lake. Yeah. Um, but Hermione alludes to the fact that, like, oh, you seem to be drowning twice. Yeah. And I was wondering if that's, like, um, if there's any other way in which Ron drowns No, at but all. then he changes it. What does he change it to? Well, I'll come to that in a sec. But I also thought that might be alluding to the fact that two Weasleys go into the lake. Um, Trampled by a hippogriff. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. So he changes it to being trampled by a rampaging hippogriff. So obviously, which doesn't happen. I think that's where J.K. Rowling steps away. And yeah. Also, there are there are there are I'm two more. Sure. There are two more that oh. I couldn't place at all. One is a cough. They predict they're going to have a cough. COVID. And the other one is decapitated. Oh. <laughs> so that obviously doesn't come true. How does? I'm not saying it's not true. That's that's so interesting, Katie. How how does she know what Voldemort's birthday is? Oh, because it's I don't in, know. No, Maybe I know because she says because she says like New Year's Eve and snowing when the mum turned up at the orphanage. That's how she knows. And then that is brilliant. That is brilliant. You know what she brilliant, says yeah, about the yeah. tarot, you know, she says it also happens in book six with the tarot card reading. What's that? Yeah. Katie, can you I'm please send sure. can you please send in information about the tarot cards? Because like you obviously know you obviously know it really well. And, <laughs> and podcast, I don't I don't have a copy of the book to yeah. go searching through it. That is amazing. From Megan. So Megan says. I don't know if this was covered again or not, but there was some discussion about Neville and his wand. He only got a new wand in book six because his father's wand broke in the Department of Mysteries. It always seemed weird to me since he just kicks his father's broken wand aside. I guess he didn't want to save it to give back to his gran. Maybe he thought she would try to repair it and then he would have more issues like Ron did in year two. Also, I always thought Charlie got rid of his wand because a dragon had singed the tip. It is described as having a bit of uniform hair coming out of it. Yeah, I love that idea of Charlie's one that's passed on to Ron. Yeah. Getting the tip singed. <laughs> so regarding Neville's one, so 
when it breaks in the Department of Mysteries, Neville just kicks it out of the way, does he? I don't like accurately remember that, so I'd have mm. to like listen back to it. But I do think this is a moment where the symbolic importance of Neville uh, outgrowing the memory exactly. of, his, of his parents it trumps whether that would actually be something that he would logically do. Maybe that's something we should come back to. But also, because Neville's parents aren't dead, he's not going to have any shortage of their stuff. So True. it's not like they, they've died wow. and all he's got is the wand. And I do think, yeah, it's like you said, this is Neville really stepping into, he, he's not just his father's son anymore. He is, well, in lots of ways, it's kind of seen as he's becoming his parents' child, isn't he? So, yes. But it is him stepping into him being his own person now, not just in the shadows kind of thing. We've got so many... Um... Voice notes at the moment. Okay. Well, we love a voice we note. We love a voice note. This love one, it. We love a voice note. This one's from Lee. Oh, can I just ask oh, before you play oh. that? Are, are you able to send voice notes on Instagram? Yeah, all you real fans who are sending us messages on Insta and Facebook, if you're if you're bold enough, don't be afraid to send us your owl post or muggle mail on voice chat because we would absolutely love to hear the voices of our real oh, fans can you imagine? and um and then all of the listeners of the podcast would hear you as well because we'd, we'd play you out loud as millis is now about to do for lee farmer how different do you guys think the harry potter books would have been if instead of jk rowling just using um sort of a third person limited narrative to follow Harry and give his story, we would have gotten a more general book. And if you could pick one character um, to have and um, be that central um, narrative focus, who would you pick and why? Way more simply, if you could take the whole story from Harry Potter, but instead of hearing it from Harry's perspective, you could get it from a completely different character, then who would you pick um, to hear their version or experience of that whole period of time um, and all the events surrounding Voldemort? Have we discussed this already? Well, kind of we have. Have I played that already? No, I don't think so, but we've... There was a, there was a question. It was about a there. book, if the book had been written by from someone else's perspective. Was it M? That is the question, though, isn't it? No, no, she's thinking about the, the book titles. Yeah. If they were written. What would be the titles if it was yeah. like from my But I feel like we've... Look, if we have done... We're gonna be like pulled out, but I think okay. we're gonna be we're gonna be called out and ridiculed for it. But I think it's better that we risk that than we okay. assume that we haven't. When I can't because actually I've remember got people it. People messaging me saying like who they'd like as the story, but from the perspective of yeah. But I think that's regarding the book titles. I'm sure last time I said Dumbledore. We definitely discussed this. Yeah. Did I make the point? Did I make the point that Game of Thrones, the Song of Ice and Fire books, are written from about. 15 or yeah 15 oh, or 16 God, yeah. different characters like diff different every chapter every chapter has the name of the character that is the point of view character in that chapter and it does make it that is it does, really interesting it does yeah. add to the texture like massively but it's incredibly like, hard to follow it does make it very difficult to follow that is true especially because it jumps around in like time and place yeah. and have you read them phil i read the first one tab says do you think they'd be using iPads and MacBooks at Hogwarts? Would they have iPhones now? What kind of apps do you think they would use? No. 
Now, if you've read Hogwarts A History, you will know, Phil? You can't use um, electrics and that don't work around Hogwarts. It's too much magic. Do you think that that is creating more problems? Because more there's more electron, like now it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. But then there's still like massive areas. If you're just, just talking about the UK, there's still massive. The majority of the UK is still, you know, like there's space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in terms of like, yeah, wizards don't normally like when they need to do magic. Just That's like go probably into where your space, signal like... gets interrupted and stuff. Yeah. It probably interrupts us. And with regards to like apps and would they be basically aspiring to have the things we have? I like to think the wizards would be able to learn from our mistakes because I do think at some point we will go backwards with the amount we use our phones and with all of these things like it's not healthy and all the apps that we have and all those things they're going to lead to more and more mental health problems so I like to think that wizards and hopefully like wiser than that to know that they they shouldn't follow our example with it do you ever put yourself in the shoes of like a kid reading a textbook in like 80 to 100 years time about this era and the technological revolution of social media? I, I do. Well, like, what do you think? Well, historians are going to write about the technological revolution in the early 21st century. Think about how you read in um, history about like the post-war yeah period in america for example yeah like the invention and widespread use of like white goods and things in the house and how that changed people's lives and blah 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 um and we read about that in school like while people who lived through that were still alive yeah so i think so i think in our lifetime children are going to study about the technological revolution that's happened in the last 15 years and they're going to they're going to imagine us as like these idiots <laughs> definitely <laughs> or they're going to be like wow what must it have been like to like live through that I know and we're so lucky that we remember what it was like before like before the internet yeah just about in a weird way it's kind of like I'm, you know I'm sort of on both sides of the fence because so I'm sort of complaining about it, but there are also there are also benefits, obviously. Yeah, I mean, thank God we had it during lockdown. Oh God, we're a bit off topic, aren't we? Yeah. Well, what I was just thinking, it, it would be interesting to think about or to see what magical developments there have been, or like developments in like magical technology. Yeah. Because we can talk about ours and like how we've been through. We've had like, you know, our, our world does look very different now to it did even in the 90s like when we were kids but don't know yeah well well, in terms of tab's question like would they be using them at school obviously we know that they can't in Mm. the in the in the magical world that we know from the book but do you think it's possible that if the right minister got in maybe someone like Hermione Granger the department of mysteries might be encouraged to investigate why it is that seemingly very useful muggle technologies can't uh, be used around magic and to see if there is some kind of way around that. Yeah, like, for example, like a better search system in the library. 
Yeah. 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 Obviously, there are things that wizards could use that would help them, but they yeah. can't at the moment. But yeah. if the Department of Mysteries. Got I imagine it, that is the kind of thing that like they're looking into in the, in the Department of Mysteries. Okay, so I've got our post firstly from Tom. Um, he says, when the students are waiting for the welcome feast, Ron comments that he's so hungry he could eat a hippogriff. Are there any examples of wizards eating magical creatures in the books? Can't think of any. Again, it's this thing about they they definitely treat magical creatures differently from, you know, your run of the mill. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any examples. No. He says, I know Voldemort drinks unicorn blood in book one, but can't think of any other examples. And that scene is like an awful thing. Yeah. What do you think would be the most delicious magical creature? <laughs> Great question. Pick me fast. No, I'm not sure there's much to them. I think that'd be all air. Hippogriff probably... I think a Thestral would oh, be I think that, that would be tough, I think. Yeah, I think a Thestral would be the worst. He also he said, also, if you had to, <laughs> which half of the Hippogriff would you eat? The thing is, is that if you think about the part of the body that's a bird, it's not the part of the bird that you eat. Yeah, I go horse. So I think it has to be the back part. Yeah, it does. It'd have to be horse. French eat horse, don't they? Europeans eat horse. Yeah, they had it in the lasagna, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Now, he also says, on the unforgivable curses, why does the ministry not put a taboo on those words? Then they can just pop up and arrest whoever casts it. Because you can just do maybe it non-verbally. Then he said, maybe I've misunderstood how the taboo works. Um, I don't think he has misunderstood how the taboo works. I think it's a good point. If there is a taboo on those words, yes, you could do it non-verbally to get around that, but a lot of people aren't capable of non-verbal magic. I don't think, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we don't hear about the taboo. Yeah, I think... Until book seven, right? Yeah, that's true. Until the kind of like the new regime. So I'm not sure whether it's like a thing that is like done. I agree with Miller's. It's a good point. And it would se like severely, it it's like, you know, it's the kind of thing where like people are like, right, you got to, we're going to bring ID cards. Yeah, and it's a human like, no, that, reach, isn't it? Yeah, that like, that's, you I know, agree. we're going to have CCT everywhere. I agree. My answer was going to be that I think that the wizarding world is quite, is a very libertarian kind of, mm. you know, yeah live and let live kind of society i think the only thing that we haven't really covered that i thought we should cover is um spew yeah yeah i'm very keen to talk about spew i have some other deep dive stuff one of them is spew does it does it stand up i think it's difficult and i think that like hermione's um like attempt at you know, it, it, it's very, very well-intentioned. She definitely, like, has, is trying to help. But it does now read a bit um, white saviour. I, I was listening to the chapter on the tube. And I remember where I was. I was going up the escalator at Oxford Circus. And I thought, it's such a shame that people now would read this and they'd probably call it something like white saviour complex. I think that is a, such a massive shame and so predictable and frankly silly. Um, but it does not surprise me at all that you would say that. And I think it is a reasonable criticism that is grounded in some 
logic. When we're saying white savior complex, do we just mean somebody getting involved in something where it's not their fight? Or do we mean it's to do with the colour of the person that's getting involved? No, it's it, it's it's not it's not really to do with the colour of the person. But more, it's not necessarily that it's not your fault. It's that you're like not listening to the people. Yeah. It's like people like people going like being like, oh, I'm going to Africa to like, I'm going to build a toilet, and then they start with the toilet, but they don't have any running water. Like, yeah, it's not a look, not asking what's needed. Like when Carl said that that tribe were given a laptop, but they used it as a breadboard. Exactly that. Yeah. Right. Exactly that. Yeah. Quick one, Moody's Eye. Like, how do you imagine like the practicality of how that works? Like, does he have to switch it on and off to look through things? Do you know what? It blows my mind a bit. The eye It's one of those things that actually, you know, in the film, <laughs> I have to say, in the film, I think it was represented quite well with almost like the zoom it, zoom in electronic almost. So it's almost like you have to select. Yeah, you know, like you scan and you have to select to zoom into one thing, and I think that's almost how it has to work in my head for my head to make sense of it. Well, it would be a nightmare, I, wouldn't it? Because yeah, like, it where would. does it stop? Exactly. If you can see through stuff. Well, you must then just see, like you, you just see forever. And yeah, things exactly. And things and things and things, and actually, you don't actually see anything because you're seeing through everything. Exactly. What What I imagine, <laughs> you know, when you're really tired, your eyes go out of focus, and you're really tired, and you have to like consciously like focus your eyes and focus yes i imagine it's a bit like that like he has to like kind of consciously like focus it on something and then he can look through something to see that yeah i agree i think like in the class where he sees um lavender is it lavender or parvati he probably sees that she's got something under the desk but then he has to like concentrate on that area of desk to look through it yeah, I agree. to see what it is that she's got imperious curse right so there's talk of people being under the Imperious Curse for weeks, yeah, months on end. And that's why it's difficult to know who's responsible for what mm-hmm. um, during the first Wizarding War, because they're not sure who was under it or for how long. But it's assumed they can be under it for a very long time. So what is the dynamic there when you're doing a long-term oh. Imperious or even short-term Imperious Curse? How can that happen? Like, do you have to be with them? Or do you just have to be with them when you put it on and then it's on until you take it off, even if you go away from them? What do you think about that? I don't think you have to be with them. Not even that... not even to put it on the first time? No, yeah, of course. Yeah, you must be to the first time. Yeah, so, sorry, I mean like all the time. Like, do you think it would be like a constant battle between the person who's cast it and the person who's been put under? Or do you think the person who's been put under is just like unaware? Well, I think that it depends on the the witch or wizard because, like, you know when Harry is put on Harry and the first he's like, oh, great, this is like... But then I suppose he knows I'm going to put the Imperius kiss on you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was sort of getting at in, in terms of them being unaware. I think they could be unaware. I think yeah. it could just feel like you wake up one day and almost everything's lighter and easier. Yeah, and actually, I imagine you. Do, yeah, I imagine for lots of and, then, and but then obviously for some they start to be aware, and then for some others they start to be aware and be able to fight it. Things can wake you up from it, can't they? Because Barty mm. Crouch Junior was obviously his dad is put him into the Imperious Curse. He says that at the Quidditch World Cup, it was like 
the commotion from the Death Eaters, it was like it woke him up from a kind of trance and that was when he could fight it. Well, I also wondered, this is sort of like, I sort of mentioned, is it like a constant battle between them? Like the person who casts it, how much of their attention and energy yeah. do they have to put into keeping it up? Because Barty Crouch Sr. is obviously massively distracted when yeah, when that curse true. comes off. And I wondered if that was also partly because of it as well, rather than just like the noise. Um, yeah. I suppose the most effective way to put it on someone would be to do it silently, almost like a kind of stealth attack. Yeah. To like sneak up behind them in a place yeah. where they're not expecting you to be and put it on non-verbally. Because I think, I think even if somebody, you know how Harry knows he's about to be put under the Imperius yeah. curse, so he, he fights it. I think if somebody even like saw someone in front of them and heard them say the word Imperio, even if they couldn't block it, the fact that they are aware that it's been put on them yeah. might make it a bit easier to, yeah. to fight. I imagine it's when, when people are asked or told to do things that really like conflict with what they would normally do is yeah. maybe when like the awareness starts creeping. Like I'm thinking of, is it Bode? Yeah. Was here and yes. He was in Unspeakable and he, he was being told you've got to get it, but he knew that he couldn't. Obviously, that made him aware, and then it started. Then he tried to fight it, yeah, because he knew that he wasn't. He he was like, I'm doing something, and I know I can't do it. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's like his body knew he can't do it. So then we get on to Crucio. I don't think we need to talk too much about the Neville stuff because there'll be yeah. some really rich stuff. Oh uh, yeah, but no, but the thing is, he just like feels really bad for the spiders. Oh, he was once a spider. Yeah, it's really funny. He was once so, a spider. But Moody, when he's talking about, or Barty Crouch as Moody, when he's talking about Crucio, he says you don't need thumb screws. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I would. That was interesting. I, I would only expect the most ardently Muggle obsessed wizard to know what a thumb screw is. Yeah. Not even Mister Weasley knows what a thumb screw is. He's just all about the plugs. Well, it got me thinking. Do you? Obviously, we've talked, or we sort of alluded to uh, with the taboo and also with wizarding like technology and stuff that discoveries are made in magic, like magical discoveries are made and new spells can be invented. Yeah. And it got me thinking, is Crucio maybe a slightly younger spell than the Imperious Curse and the Avada Kedavra? And that maybe wizards did use more rudimentary physical forms of torture hundreds of years ago as muggles did and that it is maybe still the kind of thing that a wizard might just casually know about like none of us are experts in like medieval history or anything like that but we know what thumbscrews are because it's the kind of thing that kind of seeps into the culture because it's so kind of gruesome and interesting. Yeah, it would make sense. I mean, there's always like that, that kind of macabre interest in stuff like that. But also Hogwarts has suits of armour that suggests yeah. that some of the stuff that's used against people in battle is, was physical. And yeah. it could even be a physical device that is controlled by magic. Yeah. You don't have to physically tighten a, that's true. a thumb screw if it if you can do that by magic. We know sort of in the dark and middle ages that the the divide between the wizards and the muggles was much, much less. Yeah, absolutely. So it might be that that kind of 
yeah, dark interest in torture techniques has also passed down like through the wizarding community, even though there's a much bigger divide between them and the, the muggles now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought that maybe Crucio might be a spell that's been developed or discovered or created or invented, not necessarily post the great kind of divide, but it's newer in that sense. Absolutely. And I think that the amazing thing about Crucio that kind of sets it apart from the severing one, Septum Sempra, is that Crucio doesn't, again, Crucio doesn't leave a mark. True. That thing about not leaving a mark and Sectum Sempra is what leads into the next thing about Avada Kedavra. So Moody says it's the worst one. Is it? Do you think it's the worst one? Or do you think Crucio is worse? Or do you think Imperius is worse? You guys chose Crucio over Imperius earlier. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, do you know what's the worst? The Dementor's Kiss. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I do think it's the worst of the three. It's the most final, I suppose. Yeah, like there's no coming back from from it, is there? And and don't like necessarily believe that death is always the worst. For example, like Neville's parents, that's awful, but that's not always the the um outcome of cruci- cruci- no, of that the Cruciatus like, curse. That, that's extreme. That extreme Whereas yeah. the the outcome of Avada Kedavra is always death. Yeah. So it's difficult to judge it on Imperius and Crucio because there are like there's almost a sliding scale of how it's used. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there are obviously more brutal um, and cruel ways for wizards to kill each other mm. than Avada Kedavra. It's actually Voldemort certainly thinks of it as merciful. Yeah. He actually thinks of it as merciful. And I thought that that thing about it not leaving a mark was obviously one of the reasons why he might have chosen it to as his preferred choice of killing people because he could have used other things. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about, well, there's obviously Sex and Sempra, which we're told that Snape invented, but yeah. I'm sure that yeah. there are other slashing oh, yeah. um, um, curses that people can do. But I'm also thinking about that curse that I think Dolohov does on Hermione in the Department of Mysteries. He, it's described as he does like a great big slash with his yeah, wand and a big yeah. purple, like purple lightning, like comes yeah. and like hits her in, in the chest. Um, and I think it's mentioned that like, like if it had caught her like fully, Harry thinks that like she would have died, yeah. but it was like deflected partly by something. So do you think that Voldemort just used it out of ruthless efficiency? It's just the quickest and easiest way to kill someone yeah because i don't think that he's like you know when he's cru- doing some cruciatus cuts i think there's maybe like some like sick enjoyment but i think a lot of the time when he's like killing people he's just getting it it's done. like yeah it's like it's just like it's not enjoyment it's, it's just like you, you can't yeah you can't live anymore i need you dead yeah it's like bertha isn't it she was like useless to yeah. him so i think that if he wants if he wants to like kind of he can talk to people if he wants to talk to people. He can do the cruciatus. If he wants to talk to them dead, yeah. he just kills them. And, you know, we see an example of, like, torturing, not using cruciatus in the first chapter of the last book with the Muggle Studies teacher. Yeah. Yeah, and also, arguably, Umbridge carries out torture. Yeah, absolutely. She definitely does, yeah. We're also told in this chapter that Avada Kedavra can't be blocked. Moody says there's no way of stopping it. You can't block this curse. Mm. Does Dumbledore not block it in the battle 
of the ministry with Voldemort, or does he does J- is J.K. Rowling very very um, good with how she like blocks that scene, and does she have Dumbledore always deflect it using the statue? When you say can't block it, that means like if you had like a shield charm or something, it wouldn't work. I think, yeah, it means you can't magically block this curse. I think if you hit it with another spell. Well, we see that a number of times because yeah, it happens with yeah. her. So, yeah, you can deflect it, but you may be a shield charm won't work. Yeah. Like a shield charm or, or some other kind of blocking charm, because I'm sure there are better shield charms than just Protego. Yeah, of course, but like another shield charm. But you but you can obviously physically block it. Yeah, and I I think in that battle between Voldemort and Dumbledore, I think Dumbledore actually always blocks things with the statue. Yeah. Rather than with like a spell or a shield. God, I can't I can't remember. Yeah, that would take some dissecting. We should come back to that. I can never get my head around that scene, like how it looks. Yeah. How does Moody's true identity change the reading of this chapter, especially his interactions with Neville? We've touched on this a little bit with the Imperious Curse. You know, why is he doing that as Barty Crouch Jr.? How does it change it? Massively, because uh, the the book thing is just a byproduct. He could have given that to him any time. In fact, it would have been far more efficient to have, like, given it to Harry to give to him later on, you know, like mm-hmm. there was, there's other ways of doing that. I think it is sadistic when you know who yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. It's outright sadistic. It's disgusting. Reading it thinking it's moody and, you know, even knowing what we end up knowing about Neville, but still thinking it's moody is like, okay, he's doing what he can to really support Neville with the awareness that this is going to be horrible for him. Reading it knowing that it's the guy that did it is, is, is really, he's getting some sick pleasure from that. Part of my conclusion on that would be having a better understanding of how this is agreed with Dumbledore, like whose idea is it? Like Moody definitely passes it off as his, as Dumbledore's idea. So if Dumbledore's had the idea, um, I think that makes it a bit kind of less sadistic. At least it wasn't him who decided I want I to do the curse. I don't, I don't, I don't buy all that because I don't like. To me, it is sadistic. It's 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 done because it's Barty Crouch Jr. I think that it's. I don't know exactly whose idea it was, but I do think that Dumbledore knows that this is happening. What I think is most likely is it's Dumbledore's idea and Barty Crouch Jr. is just very lucky. <laughs> he probably couldn't believe his luck when Dumbledore I said, I agree with you're going you're gonna to have to show unforgivable curses to the fourth years and you can even demonstrate them on them if you should you choose because yeah, I trust I you implicitly would say, I want you to demo the imperious on them particularly on Harry because I want Harry to be able to fight it I want to I want your assessment of his character he suggests that he is from Dumbledore and I I I think that I, I think that too though I don't know you know, you don't know how that conversation no, went kind it of thing. It could have been whatever. like Moody, Moody could have approached Dumbledore and said, I've noticed that the I'll be teaching the sixth years the un- unforgivable curses. Yeah. Don't you think I should be teaching it to the fifth and fourth years as yeah, well? Yeah, true. And, then and Dumbledore might have said, 
oh yeah, actually those fourth years and those fifth years, yeah, they, they, they are worth it. They can take it. So it really depends whose idea it was. Yeah. You know? Don't you think that even in the sixth year, like they're taught about them. I don't think they like, I don't think it's like normal for it to be Show, performed yeah, on yeah, them. I know what you mean. Well, even performed on, but performed on the students, like, Again, it could have been Moody. It could have been Crouch's idea like and Dumbledore's, track. and it could have been Moody's uh, Crouch's idea, and Dumbledore has given him his blessing, rather than Dumbledore suggesting it. The way that Moody tells it, you you can't be one hundred percent sure who's no. was. Yeah, well, I just don't believe anything that that he says because I know that who he is. The curses are described as illegal, right? Who can name me another illegal curse? Is cursing someone in general not considered illegal? No. Not putting like a tickling curse on them or no. That's a charm. That's a charm. Let's let's distinct distinguish between charms and curses. I think curses are still quite broad. Yeah, like curse like the spitting out slugs. Like a bat bogey hex. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fine. Okay. Again, I think this runs right along the kind of the wizards are libertarian, you know, you get involved in something. What happens, happens. Yeah, but it also, like, if I did that prank on you where I put, like, balanced a, a bucket on the top of your door and it, the water fell on your head and a bucket hit you on the head, if you call the police, they're going to tell you to do one. It's <laughs> a good point. Or I imagine it's, like, a lot of, like, what the outcome is. Like, when um, Harry does Sex and Tempera on Malfoy... That's a very good point. Malfoy's all right in the end. If Malfoy had died, which he could have, yeah, that then have it would have been a different story, even, even given that he's underage. Mm. So do you think it's a case of when someone is cursed, they have to decide whether or not they're going to go to the magical law enforcement yeah, squad? Like get punched, yeah. like... And then they'd have to decide whether to press charges and or not. Look into what the curse is, yeah, yeah. What the outcome was. Yeah. And on that note, do we ever find out why Malfoy doesn't? Go after Harry. Well, he wouldn't go to the ministry. He's a death eater by that point. He don't care about like law. He cares about. He's just about his own pride and getting that, getting his job done. So we, so so just to clarify, we think these are the only curses that can get you in Azkaban. No, not the only ones. These are just illegal, full stop, aren't they? Yeah, to do them on another, to do on another human. human. Regardless of the outcome. So, for example, if you imperious someone to make you their dinner. That, yeah, that is illegal. Well, two, two last things. Someone, that, that real fan mentioned, like, the ring theory thing before and how there are, like, parallels yeah. in, in books and across yeah. books. I thought there was a bit of a parallel in the way that... Sirius comes like riding to Harry's rescue, right? When he hears about the dream, yeah. Harry informs him and Sirius comes like riding to his rescue. He's like, oh, Harry's in trouble. I've got to go save him like kind of thing. Five. Just like in book five yeah. when Harry does it in reverse. They're very similar, those two. Like, very. And it's like what you said before, Millis, about how like Sirius is like trapped in this like teenage state almost. And the last one, very last one, was do you have any theories about how the ship gets to the lake? Um, the, what's it called? The, the ocean at the end of the lane? Oh, wow. What ocean at the okay. end of the lane? It's a Neil Gaiman book. I think, like, the un- like, it comes from under. 
Do you think there's like a portal somewhere in the lake that will take you somewhere else? If you go deep enough, like it's all connected somehow. Yes. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. You need to read that book or... Oh, it's really good, Phil. It's only short. The Ocean at the End of the Lane. It's... I couldn't tell you what it's about. There's no way of saying... But it's only short and it's really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's scary. It is scary. It is scary. It is but you scary. Like scary stuff. Yeah, but I got scared earlier when we were talking about Voldemort. I had to lock the back door. I think that in its deepest depths, the Great Lake is connected to the ocean. Yeah. I think it's possible to sail from but, but down, not far. Yes. Yeah, yes. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think basically, like if you go down, you can like. It's all connected. Yeah, I think you can just you can go through a portal and it will take you out into the North Sea or something or the Irish Sea. Yeah, I like that. So you can sail from like the Baltics to Hogwarts directly. Um, I think that's it. That's going to be a long one, isn't it? Thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. It's goodbye from Millers. Bye. Goodbye from Phil. Imperio. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>